Hey there, this is Therese Skelly, and I am so excited that you are going to be listening to an episode of the Fiercely Brilliant Podcast. Do you like those two words? Fiercely Brilliant. My hypothesis is that you are here for a reason. We all are. Our souls have led us on journeys that have very often taken some twists and turns, and sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes there's struggle, and there's loss, and there's challenge, and in the middle of that, there's always the way out. And it's those times that often lead us into our great life and work. So you're going to hear stories in these episodes of myself and other beautiful people that share the journey. They share how they got to the place where they're standing, working in their brilliance and being the powerful leaders that they are. So stay tuned and enjoy this episode. Hey, this is another episode of the Fiercely Brilliant Podcast with Terry Skelly. And ooh, today's episode is going to be a really, really special one. I have known this guest her whole life. This is my cousin, Bridget Costello. And I invited her to share her story because it's one that hopefully you've never had to live through. It's a, it's a story, and I'm just saying this could be a two Kleenex alert. Um, this is a story of loss and then moving on with your life. And so I just, I'm so happy to have you here, darling. The, the show is about showing how you can live in the midst of loss, beyond loss, in spite of crazy things happening. And it's called the Fiercely Brilliant Podcast. And you live fiercely brilliant today. You, you, I know your journey and you are living a beautiful life. You have a beautiful family. So why don't you just start telling us like what you do today and what you love about it? Well, thanks, Therese, cousin. It's um, really nice of you to have me on the show and to tell uh, tell my story. So I have been in the nonprofit world for the last 33 years, actually. So it's been a really long time. Yeah. And so I've served all kinds of nonprofits throughout the Valley. But currently, I'm the Director of Development for Free Arts for Abuse Children of Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I'm also to um, my husband and my family and I, we head up a foundation called For the Love of Connor which we established after we lost our son um, about 13 years ago in 2008. So those two things keep me busy, but I'm also the grandmother of five grandchildren, four granddaughters. (laughs) They're so horrible. And what's so crazy is five years ago, my daughters were married. And so in five years, we've had two marriages and five grandchildren. So Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And they're beautiful. They're beautiful girls yeah. with great husbands. Like yeah. you have, you have, yeah, good. Yeah. But I know life wasn't always easy. So do you want to, do you want to just start by telling the story of Connor and, and his life and anything you want to share? Yeah. And that's, what's incredibly hard is that my life was really easy. As you know, we came from yeah. this tremendous Irish Catholic family that was full of fun and joy and laughter and yeah. Certainly challenges, but um, my life was easy. And then, and the sky was the limit, you know. And yeah. at ni- 19, I went away to college, very innocent young yes. girl, where my dad, you know, said, uh, try and be a good girl. Didn't mm-hmm. quite know what that message was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. lo and behold, a, a really cute young man that I met mm-hmm. in my acting class, we were friends. And, you know, one night it went too far. And, you know, we, um, Woke up and I was like, wow. And I was the type that, you know, I wasn't going to mess around if I didn't love the person. And so that was it. It was just the one night, but it absolutely changed my life. 
And, you know, being Catholic and I, I don't even think really being Catholic has anything to do with it anymore for me. It's just, you know, I was able to give this life life because right, of my, right. my family, family, you know, right. and so as a woman, I, you know, wanted to affirm that. And so I brought Connor into the world and, you know, you, when you have a situation like that, you're like, wow, I'm making a lot of challenges and a lot of sacrifices to have this baby. You expect them to be president or you know, grow up to be, you know, some tremendous athlete or, or yeah. some diplomat that's going to solve the world's problems, you know, and he was, he was, he was capable of all of those right. things. And there was, you know, there was some shame surrounding it. Um, you know, I remember the day I had him in the hospital, the nurse, she must've thought I was like 16. Cause I looked really, oh, yeah, like, yeah right, right. but she was very demeaning and very rude and awful to me having this baby, yeah. you know? So, and that's 1984. So I would say like my life probably would be different if I had that baby right, today. today. Right. And right. so would his life, you know, because we yeah. know that they absorb all of that. So anyways, but we had, I had this baby, you know, my parents were fantastic as far as letting me get through college and providing the support I needed to raise Connor. And three years old, I was pretty much on my own and teaching. And I had met a wonderful man who's still my husband of 32 years. And um, yeah, life was going. And then when he hit about sixth grade, he fell into addiction. Um, really, you know, not anything huge at the beginning, just little stuff, trying pot here or there. He was always kind of crazy. And then it just began this wild ride of, I'd have to say, you know, 10 years of just up and down and up and down. And uh, he used to say to me, mom, there's two drugs I'll never do and that's uh, meth and opiates. But they wow. get to the point that their life gets so shattered that there's nothing left to do but those, you know. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he ever did meth, but he really fell into the opiate crisis mm-hmm. that we have in our country. Mm-hmm. You know? So at 24 years old, he had probably had six overdoses where he would go into a doctor's office and he would get um, prescriptions of hundreds of opiates and he'd take them and then they'd end up back at the doctor's. Uh, in the hospital, trying to revive him back to life. And so it was this tremendous, you know, through high school, we had some successes. We sent him to a program in Montana. And mm-hmm. he, this is how dynamic he was. He, <laughs> There was 300 kids in this program because we kind of were like, it was kind of like parent jail that you sent right. him to. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I was like, you have to get a degree and you have to, mm-hmm. you know, be, be alive at 18. Yes. Those yes. two premises, you know. So he did, he got the degree, but he convinced them to go down to the local high school so he could play football. And he was the only kid that they allowed wow. to do that. Yeah, so oh, that's how yeah. powerful he was. And it's yeah. so fun because I have all of these newspaper articles from Thompson Falls that Connor was an outstanding football player. Yeah. And he had scholarships to go to college and play ball for community colleges and different things. But the minute he got out of structure, it was very difficult for him to mm. self-regulate. Mm-hmm. So I know so much more about addiction now that I didn't know then. And mm-hmm. we know so much more about opiates that we right. know that I didn't know then. But after years and years of this, he became very sick and he went to rehab one last time. And that time he sincerely wanted to go for himself. And he was 24 years old Yeah, and he went and then he came home after 30 days, which we now know 30 days is nowhere enough. near enough. And he came home and he used once and he died. And so that was a tremendous um, tragedy for our family, you know, and um, the impact that it had on us and me as a mother. And, you know, but I think for me and, you know, our grandmother, I had this one visit with her 
And I always look back and I think, um, and this is why I think it's very important for women to tell their story Mm -hmm. because our grandmother shared the story of losing her first baby. And she said the way that she got through this was it was terrible, you know, that she lost his first child to whooping cough. And she said the way she got through it was people kept asking her to do things. So even the local uh, guys who'd go to the bar come by and pick her up and she'd go betting on the horses. <laughs> the, probably feeling like she wanted to die because she was so grief struck. Yeah, she, she, she got herself out, right? That's what she said. You know, and she said, I just said yes to everything. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I was 16 when she told me that story and it, it didn't really mean anything right, to me, you right. know? And she said, you know, slowly her grief lifted and then your mom came along and she yeah. said, you know, she was blessed with more children. And so when this happened to me, those words resonated with me and just stuck with me. And I said, you know, I am going to say yes to everything that comes along mm-hmm. because I feel like it will lead me to him. And it will also, in the meantime, sustain me. But yeah. I had people descend on my door that literally carried me, you know, just yeah, best, yeah. best friends. That's, 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 yes. Yeah. Just that were there and were there for me. And then as the grief lifted, you know, I wanted, I think when you have a child and they're gone, the one thing that I think is, is, and you know, this having lost your parents and lost your your husband, you're, the world is going on and you're right. Right. Wait, Wait, what's, yeah. 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 Somebody significant left this earth today and yet people are still driving and walking and going to work but you're like the world is not going to be the same right so for me I wanted his legacy not to be about being a drug addict but to be about the powerful person that he had the potential to be that got lost Mm -hmm. in the disease you know so that's Mm -hmm. why we started the for the love of Connor and because I've always worked with children's charities and schools and organizations, um, I really felt like God led me to these different Mm -hmm. charities to, you know, choose and to honor them in this profound way. So it's been a really great journey. And for me, for me, like having his legacy be remembered every year, and now we're we're coming into the 10th year of the, the event. And, you know, it's just been just a really healing way for me to still say he still exists and he's still doing work on this earth, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We have a lot to unpack. Okay. Well, thank you for telling this story. And I, you know, anybody that's listening as a mother is like, how the hell do you survive that? And so I just want to start, we'll get there, but I just want to start at the Mm -hmm. beginning. Yeah. You talked about being in a very Catholic family and holy crap, I'm pregnant now. Mm-hmm. How did you manage the shame? How did you push back and not let yourself be like crumble under the bad thing that happened to you? Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying it was bad, but I think people no, no, looked yeah. at like, oh yeah. my God, she got herself yeah. pregnant. Her right? life is over. Yes. 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 <laughs> right. So how did you, because. I- like you say, it's different now, but all those years ago, it was mm-hmm. in, a, in a very, you know, tough situation. Yeah. I, Teresa, honestly, I don't think that I did push back from it. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, when I look back now, um, the choices that were, I guess, available to me back then yeah. was, you know, I was a theater major. I loved right. to sing and dance. And yeah. uh, my vision was to... Um, 
get to USC somehow and then, or, you know, go to New York and to audition for Broadway. I mean, they were big dreams. Who knew what was going to happen? But, but, you know, I, I walked on to my college up at NAU and tried out for the uh, Shakespearean play. And I took the lead over the theater. I had some promise, you know, I had some promise as a freshman and thought maybe I could do something with it. But, you know, so I, what I feel sometimes now is that what happened with the, it wasn't that people were like, you were a bad girl or person. It's that they put me in this box that I could no longer do these things. Right, 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 right. Yes. So, and, and you need to just, you know, find a nice young man, find, you know what I mean? Like it was, your options are limited, right? Yeah. You know, you, it's gotta be, you know, somebody very special who's going to take you now, you know, like, and I. (laughs) <laughs> ow, ow, ow. Yes, yes. And he is very special. You did a good job with your husband. He's a good one. So, but I remember even dating um, when a, a, a guy that was crazy about me. Mm-hmm. And then after he learned that I was pregnant, he made the comment, You were perfect, but I wasn't anymore. Right. So, wow. I, I took on all this stuff. And I think it took me a long time to kind of, I just, I just got it through, right? Like yeah, so I got, yeah. got married. I had other children. I didn't really think about it. But if you look back on it now, it was very limiting. You know, I should have yeah. maybe had the option to go into TV production or because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been around TV production now and I love it, you know, and it's like, right. I do something different, but yeah. I think, um, I don't know. God always has a plan for you where you're going. And 100%. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great. So Good. I'm happy where I ended up, but Good. I'm not sure that I did have strength really to push back from it. So. Well, but, like you say, your God, God knew. Well, like, you know, I want to yeah. talk about, um, and I don't want to make it the legacy, but I remember being at the funeral because mm-hmm. we all knew he had died of a drug overdose. Right. And I remember you stood up there and you said, look, we're going to talk about this. Right. Right. Because I don't want any of you dying. Mm-hmm. And so talk about, because that was how many years ago. Now it's talked about. Like my son, John, who is 22, he's probably had 10 friends overdose. Like now it's, yeah. but back That's then right. it wasn't mm-hmm. as prevalent. Mm-hmm. He was at the beginnings of it, of the opiate crisis, right? right? right. And, and people weren't talking about it. It was the family, shh, you right. know. And right. I was so impressed that you were like, no. And so, mm-hmm. Isn't there stories of like his friends <laughs> getting choked up? His friends that because Connor sacrificed himself, his friends mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. So why don't you share some of that? Yeah, I mean, I really think because you know, there's um, there were thirteen uh, grandkids to my mom and dad, yeah. and uh, now there's twelve, and I can very happily say that none of them yes. have fallen fallen into addiction in any capacity, and I think that experience of losing a cousin had a huge and mm-hmm. huge impact on them as well right. as I've had even more distant cousins tell me that it made a huge impact. We've had friends tell us that, um, you know, people are getting sober in Connor's honor, in Connor's honor and legacy. Uh, I had a friend this year that went into, um, rehab and, you know, an older, wow. you know, 40 year old woman and really suffering. And she said, I am doing this in honor of your son. And so, you know, I think by telling my story, number one, I, there's not a family on this earth that hasn't been touched not by addiction right. in some, 
some capacity. Right. And, you know, maybe not to the tragic loss that we have, but I think, you know, my prayer for Connor at the end was God either heal him or take him because the addiction was ravishing our family, right? Yes, yes. So I felt really compelled that day to say what an amazing person Connor was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also to, to give this kind of lesson to families of, yes. we hear you, we, we're, we're there with you, we know it. And, yeah. that, you know, there could be hope and opportunity for them. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I did that. I just decided. I remember saying a lot of times mothers cannot speak at the funeral, but if I don't speak, you will be gone. And I won't have an, and I won't have an opportunity to share with you my thoughts about my son. So that's why we made the decision. But I was really more impressed with my girls. Yes. The decision yes. that they, they made to to uh honor their brother. And to celebrate his legacy, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> very often, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very often when there when there's a death in a family, and it was a sudden. I mean, you knew he was at risk, and you'd had the overdoses, but he didn't have cancer <laughs> and languish for a year. It was a sudden death, right? <laughs> and very often yeah. when that's a situation, it can tear families apart. Yeah. And so, yeah. how was it that you and Alan, the girls, that you're still married and you have very healthy, yeah. beautiful, like, like. Did you ever get the fractured experience? And then how did you mm-hmm. choose to come back and stay as, as good as you are today? I think that was part of what I had to do because my girls were 14 and um, Tara was, it was the week before she entered her first day of college. Oh. And yeah, so yeah. we actually walked her to the college door. So our first instinct, like I said, you want the world to stop, yeah, right? Sure. I want to quit work. I, yeah, nobody wants yeah. to work. Nobody wants to go to school. She shouldn't go to college. And then it's like, no, they should, they need to keep living yeah. their life. Yeah. They need to keep doing this, you know, for themselves, but also because they are healthy, fabulous mm-hmm. young people. Mm-hmm. So my role was to keep the family going. Right. And yeah. so I just, you know, um, Kaylee had a very hard time. She didn't go to school a lot for the first couple months in the mornings and then she'd get up and, but we sought counseling. Um, Tara went to counseling. She, she found somebody who she really liked. Um, mm-hmm. Kaylee was a tremendous athlete and I think she, um, sought solace in a lot yeah. of her, you know, both the girls were great athletes, but I think she sought solace in some of the more physical activity. Mm-hmm. Um, Al and I, you know, we grieved in very different ways and I could definitely see how this could tear a marriage apart yeah. because you yeah. want that person and to uphold, to lift you, to hold you. Right. And right. they're not capable because they're in their own space. Yes. Some, well, some yeah. people are not, right? So we kind of, I, I honestly have to say that, you know, as a family, we did quite a few things to kind of stay together and to kind of just heal, you know, vacations and, and different things like that. But um, as a couple, I think we just gave each other the space we needed to okay. be able to find yeah. where the, uh, the other side. And didn't, didn't put the pressure on the other person to heal me or to, to heal, you know, and, and there could be because, you know, there's, there's blame, you know, that, that people can give to and on all different sides, you know, and so including, you know, I blame myself, you know, for a long time. And one of the things that I did was, um, in the healing process mediums kept coming to me Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they kept, and I, unbelievable stories of, you know, 
things that they couldn't possibly have known except right. through right. Connor. It's real. I, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and so that was very, very healing. And um, yeah, so it was just those kind of things that, you know, again, it was grandma's message. If somebody came to you and said, I, Oh, I have this friend, you should go see them. I, I would say yes. yes. I would go. Yeah. And yeah. so all of those things helped, helped me to heal and helped our family to mm-hmm. heal because I remember when Connor was really suffering with addiction and Deacon Herve, who I just love, was at St. Mary's and he's still at the Franciscan Renewal Center. And he had gave the message of you cannot, you have to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and you cannot go down because mm-hmm. when the person who is going down or has gone down comes back to you, you have to be there. Right. So, <laughs> wow. so you, yeah. So I always kept that at the center of me, like I cannot go down. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yes. Yeah. Having lived with loss. I get it. You're the, you're the one that holds it together. Right. And, and that takes either. work. That takes work. Let me yeah. ask you, you know, I know you are a woman of tremendous faith. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time when you were mad at God? No, no, wow. I, I, wow. I wasn't, I wasn't mad at God. Um, yeah, just more, you know, I still to this day, you know, it's been 13, 14 years and, you know, my morning walks are my time to cry and think about him and, and I apologize a lot. So, but I never, I just, with the faith, I think that's it is, I don't, I have no idea what God was thinking when, he, when he's doing this, right? <laughs> right, right yeah. you, you Can think, we talk oh, about this plan? Yeah. I know. I said, that's the first question I'm going to ask him is mm-hmm. how, why do some people get healed? And you hear these miraculous stories of, yes, oh, yes. Yeah, I was on opiates for eight years. And right. then got no. up. Now I'm this incredible person. And, you know, I so wanted my child to be that, mm-hmm. but I have to say in my prayer, heal him or take him. There was so much mercy in Connor's death because he was so sick for so many years. And and if you start to look at addiction as an illness, Mm -hmm. you will really see that sometimes it is merciful, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's just such a demon, you know, taking away the moral judgments Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Talk about the legacy because, because, you know, you can't have gone through this without it completely changing who you are. And so what would you say as a result of, well, a having the beautiful time with Connor and having him in your life and going through the shit of the pain and the grief and the challenge of addiction on the other side, you're a really freaking amazing, successful woman. (laughs) And, and I don't know that you could have been who you are today and where you are today, had you not gone through these things. So talk about that a little bit, because, because Bridget, what I know is that some people, when they're in the middle of very painful, tragic things, they go, I hate this. I don't want this This isn't fair. This shouldn't be happening. And at the end of it, it should be happening. It is happening and it can be transformative. So I just want to hear your take on that one. Yeah. I think that that was other messages that were given to me that mm-hmm. if you really understand that we're all here for a journey and a purpose, yes. whether you believe in God or not, you're, you're here, right. Yes. And yes. you, you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow or the next day, but you're here today. And, um, and you can do some long-term planning with the hopes that we'll be here for. for <laughs> right. Right. And so I think that's it is that I understood that somehow 
my son was here for 24 years, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was his journey. And that was, you know, I don't know that it was his purpose, but that was his journey. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he is still, I feel living out a journey and doing work here on earth, you know, um, for all of us. And, you know, we've had so many things that have happened to our family. You know, the girls have had difficult pregnancies and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've, I've gone and prayed and the next day they're like, Oh no, my placenta, it flipped yeah. back over. It's a miracle <laughs> placenta. Like, it's like 1%. And yeah. I, I really do feel this angel presence. Yeah. Yeah. But the really, the big thing of this is though, is this is also my life and my journey, right? Mm-hmm. I have these beautiful daughters still in my life. I have this yeah. fabulous, uh, you know, dedicated husbands, you know, that's been with me for, we've, you know, known each other for 37 years, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and I have these amazing grandchildren. So Mm -hmm. for my prayer for my life is I want to see their children's children. And my mother has been so fortunate, you know, she has nine great grandchildren now. And to me, that's what I want, you know, and I mean, I understand if it doesn't happen, that's okay. But that is my prayer because mm-hmm. I want to so be part of the journey of this family mm-hmm. and the role of, you know, being here and offering something to them. Mm-hmm. Because just the way grandma gave me that little bit of wisdom, right, right. I had no idea what it was going to mean to Isn't me. Isn't interesting all those years later? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, I feel, you know, with my friends' journeys and different things that, you you know, I have the opportunity to serve them and to help them and. To, to lift them up as they did me. Mm-hmm. So there's still a purpose and there's still a reason. Um, and, and I think sometimes when we get lost in the people we're having relationships with, mm-hmm. right? So this man or this woman that I love um, and I become completely absorbed in their life and their existence, that's when it's really hard when they're gone to yeah, keep going. Right. Yeah. Right. So you have to stay grounded in what is nice. you, wow. right? You know, so, yeah, you know, and then the legacy part of it too, I think is, um, you know, I want it to be celebratory, right? And so when we have these luncheons, this year is going to be a dinner on his birthday. It's always a tremendous way for me and the family to celebrate him on his birthday. And, um, you know, we bring these incredible charities. We've had pet charities, charities that, you know, help, families of, of addiction. We've had, most of them are our children's charities. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because I really feel that, you know, we all have a, per- we all have these gifts and these talents and these things. And so I'm so honored now because I work at free arts for abused children of Arizona and I raise the money for, for the organization. And, but when I get to witness what we do is we bring arts programs into abuse, mm-hmm. foster and homeless children. And mm-hmm. think the facilities and they get to experience a professional artist being there and and leading them through a project or they get to um we just had a a dance program and they were dancing on stage with you know close to professional dancers you know and they had to describe what their neverland was and it was so um they did spoken word poetry where girls dance ballet to it and i'll never forget the one said I, I, my scars have lasted longer than any person has lasted with me. And so if you think about that, to me, it's like, it's, 
you know, I'm not in the trenches with them, but I'm raising money so that they can have these profound programs. And, um, you know, the whole, the mission of what I, you know, where I work now is we turn children's trauma into resilience to the arts. Mm -hmm. And that word resilience, it's, it's my life story. It's my family's life story. Right. And it's, it's, uh, it's our ancestors life story. Yes. Yeah. I always say so are, much so absolutely yeah we're from this kick-ass family if you've ever read anything about the famine yeah. and how people left in droves we didn't leave we survived we stayed in Ireland mm-hmm. and so to this day my family's father or my father's family is so strong mm-hmm. like they don't have allergies or you know it's it's amazing yes. you yes. know and I think that's because there's this, this tremendous there were hardships there, but they had a, a sense of resilience and survival. Mm-hmm. And so I really do think that has been a common thread that has been passed to our family. But I also think you have to work at mm-hmm. practicing resilience, mm-hmm. right? You know, so, um, and that's what we're t- trying to teach at Free Arts is, is these children could do nothing about their experience. I right. could do nothing about my experience with Connor. Like right. no matter how many rehabs I sent him to and special schools and, inspirational people coming into his lives. We sent him to a totem pole builder in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Eclectic. Yeah, right. I mean, we tried everything. And there was no way that I could change that situation. Right, right. So all I can do is survive under the situation, right? And it's the same as the kids from Free Arts. Like, they can't change that their parents Mm -hmm. love them. They can't change that they're foster. They just can be resilient and, Mm -hmm. and... learn these skills to help survive. So. Wowza. Wowza. <laughs> no, you are such a beautiful model of resiliency because a lot of people that have lost a son become bitter or hardened or hate God or divorce their families or sh- shut their heart off. Right. And you're none of those. And so I, you know, again, the podcast is fiercely brilliant you live your brilliance through the free arts, through the expression with your kids and your grandkids. And oh my God, you should hear her sing. She sings at all the family functions. And so you no, still get funerals now. I know, sadly, my God, we need, we need another wedding or some, something, something. But anyway, so if somebody's going, as we wrap up, if somebody's going through something that feels like, because resilience, I think sometimes it's when you're in the middle of it, you don't realize you're resilient. You know, it's like, it's like in retrospect, you're like, crap wow. Oh yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Then it becomes a thing you can cultivate. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to somebody that is, if they're looking at something and maybe it's not the death of a child, maybe it's another death or a loss divorce or, something, or, or divorce yeah. or grief, or what would you, what advice would you give? I would say make connections, you know, make connections to those people that love you and support you and want to be there for you during your time of need. And I mean, I, I literally, my friends carried me through the toughest times of my life. And I have a friend who just in the last two years um, is going through a divorce. She was married for uh, over two decades and he went off with a, a young whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, when she called and there's just that devastation, yeah. you know, and I'm sure I was the same, you know, making a call and saying, Right. The un- unimaginable has happened. The unbelievable has happened. Um, I, you know, seeking out those people that that's literally held me and held space for me. And so I would say seek connections. I would say stay in faith and trust that this makes no sense. 
that people should have to go through these things, right? It doesn't make right. sense, right? But that is life, you know, as grandma used to say, it's the agony and the ecstasy. And so we kind of adopted this motto in our family that, and I think this has really helped me, to, it's much like the agony and the ecstasy, but it's enjoy the hell out of the good times and um, fight like hell through the bad times. And so that's the thing. It's like, you have to, you do, you have to just find those little pieces of yourself that are still there and connect and love the people that are still in your life, you know? Um, And, you know, but then uh, when you have the opportunity to have a good time, really enjoy it. Yes, that, and we do in yeah. the clan. There's, there's, there's a lot of good times in the family. <laughs> yeah. And there's good times every day. You know, you yeah, can yeah. listen to a fabulous podcast. Yes. I love podcasts, you know, yeah. and that just can uplift your soul and take so you to it. But it's, I'm all about that. Like, cause I've had a lot of tragedy as well. It's like, where can I find joy? And it's a right. conscious choice. Cause you could yeah. be sitting there and like, Oh, I don't No, no, no. Get your ass yeah. up, go find it. And yeah. what you said is you said connect but more so because I think a lot of women are like, no, no, I'm fine. No, I don't need. Yes, you do need. Mm-hmm. You Say do need. yes, even if it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. even if you feel vulnerable, mm-hmm. even if you feel like, oh, I don't want to be a bother. Yes. That's old messaging. It's bullshit because people want to hold you and support you and nourish you. One of the beautiful things that I witnessed my friend who's gone through her tragedy is um, she keeps making dinner for my mom and for, oh. for other people because she loves to cook. Yeah. And so she Perfect. just, she's she just had she just had my aunt Nancy, my mom, we all went to the cabin and she cooked for us all. And it was Beautiful. such a special and wonderful thing that yeah. doing for others, even yes. in your terrible time, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Is really lifted her to a new place. And I think mm-hmm. that's just a beautiful testament to resilience and somebody taking their tragedy and saying, I'm just mm-hmm. not going to go under, but I'm going to elevate people. So <laughs> mic drop, <laughs> mic drop. All right. So there's free arts and we're going to put the links there. It's a fabulous, it's a local organization. Is that right? Is it local yeah. to Phoenix? Okay. Um, yes. And our hopes are to expand. We actually did expand some with the, with the um, pandemic. We were able yeah. to send some progress, some uh, take-home projects to Flagstaff and, okay. you know, up North. So, but it's mainly Maricopa County. So, okay. And so talk about the love of Connor foundation. And, and I want to say, yeah. You know, you don't have to be in Phoenix to contribute. So you can show up at the event and or if Bridget's story has touched you, just know that the money she raises goes back in the community to build children and families. And and so so why don't you talk about the the foundation? So so we're really excited this year where it's the first evening event that we'll have. It's on January 14th at the Mono Lucia Hotel. But as Mm. Cherie said, you don't need to to be here and be with us, but we'd love for you to be. We're going to um, celebrate the UBU project, which um, they take music um, into the schools to uh, prevent suicide. And so they're working with children for suicide prevention. And it's really amazing. Um, A fabulous man by the name of David Simmons, the heads it up. We also are going to have, um, it's our Heroes Unleashed, which is our pet program that they, what they do is work to keep pets in people's homes. So whether you're homeless or senior, they work to keep pets in your home even getting you an apartment so you get your pet can stay wow, there yeah. organization. And then the last one is, okay, Teresa, my 57 year old brain is. <laughs> oh yeah. Another one. It's the Harmony Project, which is this fab- fabulous Harmony Project is 
they have music programs all over the world that they provide free music to children that are Title I students. So they can start, if you start in kindergarten, they'll continue with music lessons until you're a senior in high school. And so um, this, they just started in Phoenix. Um, and so it's really great because um, not only is David from the UBU uh, project going to perform, he's a guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, the Harmony Project is bringing their little guys, their five-year-olds, oh, the showist oh instruments, <laughs> as well as their seniors who are doing wonderful things like Bach and all yeah. of that. And the beautiful part about this is they're getting college scholarships that then take them to college. That's amazing. Music. Yeah. So we're super excited. It's uh, uh, for the lover for the love of Connor with one in dot com, And you can donate there. You can buy your tickets to come. It'll be just so much fun dinner, dancing, and just celebrating these wonderful organizations. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, I'm happy to get the message out and we will put all the links in the, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So you'll have all that. And cousin, you're just so this, the wisdom here, you know, because I really want people to know that you can get through the hard times. So thank you for showing the how and some kind of the the roadmap Mm -hmm. uh, because you, you are the testimony of, there you go. See, it's possible. So thank you so much for coming. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up? No, just thank you. And you're right back at you. I mean, you're amazing that you're doing this. And thank I think it's wonderful, you know, that women and, and whoever, men, children, yeah. whoever yeah. get to get to hear this wonderful, um, you know, all the wonderful things that you post on your podcast. Thank so. you. I appreciate that. All right. Peace and blessings and make sure you follow Bridget. Okay. Bye now. Hey, I really appreciate you listening to that last episode. And I would love to get to know you a little bit more and to get to connect with you on a deeper level. And here's what I suggest. I've got a Facebook group that corresponds with the content of these podcasts. It's called Fiercely Brilliant Women in Business with Therese Skelly. So if you just search Facebook, Fiercely Brilliant with Therese Skelly, you'll find the group. It's a really nice group. It's a small group and I'm super active in it. So each week we have a lot of supportive conversations. I share a lot of resources. I do a lot of coaching on the spot and I would love to have you join me there. So if you like the vibe of this podcast and you want to hang out with a pretty darn cool community of women, join us at Fiercely Brilliant on Facebook with Therese Scali. Alrighty, peace and blessings and I hope to see you in the group. Bye now.